a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today we are talking yoga for pelvic health. And I have Shannon Crow here. And Shannon has been a yoga teacher for over 12 years. She has over 1,000 hours of yoga teacher training, including specialized pelvic health training. She has her certification in hypopressive method and is passionate about helping women who are dealing with pelvic health issues. Shannon teaches group and private classes focused on pelvic health at Tone yoga studio and proactive physio plus in Owen sound, Ontario. So if you've been listening to yoga birth babies, you know that pelvic health is near and dear to my heart. So any opportunity to approach it from a yoga perspective, I think is incredibly helpful since that's my main focus. Uh, we've had physical therapists on here. We've had other yoga teachers. We've had OTs. So this conversation, we dive deep into yoga that is supportive for the pelvic health as as well as some misconceptions of yoga through practitioners and students so and teachers. So I think you might find this interesting, whether you're a yoga teacher, considering becoming a yoga teacher, a yoga practitioner, or just a pregnant person or, or a postpartum person. Before we jump to that, I just finished with Caprice our teacher training for New York City, the fall group. So I want to give a special shout out to our participants for that. What a fantastic group. So friends, you did a great job. It was a true pleasure and honor to guide you and be part of your path. Also, um, as we speak, I'm getting ready to re-release Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? Kind of in the midst of everything, I'm like, why not? Why not put this out there again? So by the time this comes out, I'll just be relaunching that. So that's for yoga teachers who may not have a background in prenatal yoga, but want to serve the pregnant student that comes into their open level class. Check that out, Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? And then and last, if you have been enjoying this podcast and you're tuning in time after time, I would ask you to please leave a rating and review from wherever you listen to this. It helps people find us and hopefully spread whatever juicy information you are getting and enjoying. That is it for me, giving some shout outs and some info about what's going on. So let's just take a beat. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Shannon. Every year for my kid's birthday, my mom makes them a photo album of the pictures I sent her throughout the year. And it's fantastic and really a win-win for everyone because I am particularly horrible about executing and organizing projects like this. Now, even though my mom's the one doing the work of making the album, I still have to get her the pictures. And as a busy working mom, sometimes I find that task overwhelming. But this year, I think things are going to be different because I found a free photo sharing app. It's called Family Album. With Family Album, it has been so easy to share photos. I decide who I want my photos shared with, and every time I upload a new picture, my invited guests get a notification that new memories have been added. No more texting pictures, no more trying to shove as many pictures into one email. It has become so streamlined. Organization's also incredibly easy with Family Album since it sorts the pictures by the month taken and tells me how old my kids are in each picture. So I'm trying to get my mom pictures for the album. I I can see, all right, I've got some in November, I've got some in December, I've got some in January. Organization's so much easier. I actually wish I had this app when I was pregnant so I could have watched my pregnancy evolve and seen how my belly grew instead of what I have is just some random pictures and actually not knowing where in my pregnancy I was. 
My kids also love Family Album because of the one-second movie highlights. Every three months, a short video collage is created using the best photos and video clips I have shared. They love seeing themselves in these movies, and I love seeing how much they've changed in just three months. And Family Album also offers free, unlimited storage. I kid you not when I say I have over 5,000 pictures taking up storage on my phone and computer. By saving them on the Family Album app, I have freed up so much space on my devices, which has been a huge help. And did I mention all these great features and convenient photo sharing opportunities is completely free? Free. Family Album, you can find it through your favorite app store or search Family Album on Google. And remember, Family Album is all one word. So hurry up and go get this free app. Start sharing your memories with the people that you love. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Massimo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hey, Shannon, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to speak with you. I've been listening to your podcast for a while and I decided I'm like, you know, I'm going to reach out and just see if we can connect because you say you really host such wonderful ideas and especially because I think you and I align on so much. I thought it'd be great to pick your brain and chat. Yeah, well, I'm super excited to be here. Well, so we are going to talk about yoga for pelvic health, an area that I know both of us are passionate about. But before we get into that, let's just start with a little bit about you and your path into teaching yoga and especially your interest in pelvic health. Sure. Uh, well, I live in Ontario, Canada, about three hours north of Toronto, and I live here with my partner, Sean, and I have three kids. So they're now 21, 16, and 14. And somewhere in the mix of when I was in my early 20s, because that's when I started having kids, I I felt like, well, I, I think I probably felt like every other parent on the planet in that I was really feeling disconnected from myself. Like I was always caring for my kids, basically. And so going to yoga was a girls' night out. That was the first kind of structured class. It was girls' night out. And that's where I started I started my yoga journey for sure. And then by the time my daughter was born, I was in my 200-hour yoga teacher training when she was about a year old. Mm, that's a lot to handle at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was spread out over a over a year, which was really nice. So it was just a weekend here, like every month and, um, lots of time to integrate and, and try things out. And so how did that lead you into the pelvic health world? I think because right away I was really interested in teaching prenatal yoga and postnatal yoga. So I really wanted to serve um, probably the students that were the scariest to me were the prenatal ones. Like I remember graduating from my 200 hour, I think we had an hour of introduction to prenatal yoga and I thought I'm not at all prepared. So I took some weekend trainings and started doing research and that was over the course of eight years. I really would learn something new about prenatal and then apply it in the classes and that led me to learn about pelvic health. And I was actually standing in line at a coffee shop and a pelvic health PT was behind me. And she said, I think you teach prenatal yoga in this town. <laughs> I said, yes, I do. And she was like, I'm a pelvic health PT. And I thought, I don't even know what that is. 
And so when she started to explain to me who she works with and why, I just started referring people to her. So that's that's where it started to come in, where I started to see how well yoga and pelvic health physio go together. Mm, I totally agree. I love physical therapists, especially ones that focus on pelvic health. So through your own pregnancies, did you run into anything that that was problematic with your pelvis or abdomen or anything? Because I know you were doing yoga. Well, were you doing yoga when you were pregnant with your other two? I was. I was doing yoga mostly for my second pregnancy. And that's when I really started to notice the benefits. Like I was doing the same prenatal yoga VHS tape every single day because it's, you know, things were, technology was not where it is today. (laughs) And, but I was noticing such a difference. Like I was really aware of my body, that pregnancy and that birth went better. Uh, I just had educated myself more so about my body. Like my first pregnancy, I just thought all of the knowledge was in a book. And then my second pregnancy, I started to realize, oh no, if I tune into my own body, I can learn a lot of things. So I was doing yoga. I started to, well, here's an interesting thing. I didn't know that I was having pelvic health issues because I had diastasis at some point after my pregnancies. And I also had low back pain, which was probably related to it. So I didn't know that until nine years postpartum. So did I have it? Yes. Did I know about it? No. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Oh, so, okay. So once you found that out, what did you do? Uh, well, I was diagnosed in a workshop with a public health PT within our prenatal yoga teacher training, which was fascinating to me. We had asked her to come in and cover the the public health information for three hours for our trainees. And so then I made an appointment with my own public health PT back home and found out how I could do just very simple movements to help to heal my diastasis and then avoid some movements until I had built up that kind of core strength. And when I'm talking about core, (laughs) I'm not talking about six pack abs. Yeah, actually, I'm so excited you brought that up because that's going to segue because I wanted to talk about core. I feel like my brain's going in five different directions. All right. Because you have said so much. I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. All right. So I think I'm going to, I love the conversation diastasis. I think we're going to kind of table that for a moment because that's a bigger thing, but you just opened up a big can of worms about core because I feel like it's this kind of hot zippy word that everyone's like, engage your core, use your core, core power. So can you break down a little bit when people, yoga practitioners, yoga teachers refer to the core, how do you think that's misinterpreted or even detrimental and what really is the core? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it does. So I'll tell you my definition of the core in how I've learned it from different pelvic health uh, professionals. Mm-hmm. And I I just want to say first that I've had other people challenge that and I'm excited when I hear that. Like, diff- I'll tell you that I believe that the core is made up of the core four. So four parts of it, the top of it being the diaphragm, the bottom of it being the pelvic floor, the sides being the transversus abdominis muscles that wrap around those corset muscles, and at the back, the multifidus muscles. So that's 100% that's... what I agree with. Yes. <laughs> now, was... now, some people will say to me, well, what about the glutes or the psoas or okay, you I know, get... the rectus abdominis? So I, I want to just say that we make up body parts and muscles like we make up bodies of land as well (laughs) and water. Like we name things. We really want to say, this is this, and and here's where this ends and this begins, even when it's really hard to distinguish that. I actually like the idea of the psoas kind of slipping into there, um, especially because we know the connection of the psoas and the diaphragm, and especially if the psoas is tight, how it can impede the diaphragm. The glutes, you know, I was taking a yoga class over the weekend, and the teacher kept saying, squeeze your glutes, squeeze, squeeze. And I, I'm not one that really likes, I feel like when we overly squeeze, it kind of takes the life out of things, engage is different. So I don't, I feel like sometimes if we include the glutes, it can be a little detrimental. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. 
laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, this is the thing. I think it is so confusing. So if I went to a yoga class and the teacher was saying, engage your core, I find that really confusing mm. as well. Or like you said, engage this muscle or squeeze this muscle. And the interesting thing is that we all do something differently mm -hmm. and we can't really know what we are <laughs> engaging unless we have, like say with a pelvic floor, that's the most common. If you think about a Kegel or pelvic floor engagement, that's a really typical one that we hear cued all the way from yoga classes to PT, mm -hmm. or we read it in the newspaper. <laughs> uh, there was a study done where a group of pelvic health PTs was trying to do a Kegel and over half of them were not doing it correctly. So we need to have someone who can feel those muscles and who's an expert in that field. That would be a public health PT to know if we are actually engaging those muscles in the right way or if we're doing something else. And also, do we even need to be engaging those muscles? That's, oh, well, that's super. a huge, yeah, because a lot of people need the opposite, need to learn how to lengthen and release. And it's funny you said about people thinking they were, they knew how to do their, you know, do a Kegel. I remember um, after my first son, my pelvic floor was a hot mess. So I went to see a pelvic floor PT and here I was already having, you know, been teaching this for a while and it was some internal work and she's like engaged. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm going to know how to do this. This is what I do. And she's like, you're only getting the superficial. You're really not getting the deeper. And I was shocked and I had to be taught really how to do something that I thought I knew. So I guess you're right. Many of us not quite sure what we're engaging, especially areas that are maybe more foreign. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we can do if we really wanted to work on the core is to find a rib cage breath. So if we imagine that we're expanding the rib cage, like an umbrella opening on the inhale, and then on the exhale, that whole canister of the rib cage is coming in. That right there is a lot of really beneficial core work. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that we have to be sweating or we have to hate it. The core is, is working all the time. I totally agree. So when I often hear the engage the core, I hear that along with, and forgive the fact I find this really annoying and misunderstood, pull your navel to your spine, pull your navel to your spine. I feel like that could be detrimental to people's breathing because if we're always thinking we're engaging, we're just hardening or sucking our stomach in, we're not allowing then the diaphragm to drop and everything gets too chest breathing or breath. What are your yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well, and I think this is a great time to to experiment with it. Try try that cue of pull the navel in, which is going to be different in different people. Mm -hmm. They'll do different things or this idea of like engage the core if it has to do with more so the abdomen, which is interesting. Just try it for a moment and then try breathing. See how that breath well, is. I was, and then try. I and did. I tried that. I tried, as you were right. saying, and it makes me feel anxious and like I can't get my, like my breath is just, um, high and it really starts to affect my nervous system. And I literally was just doing that as you were talking, which was maybe 30 seconds, but maybe I'm hyper aware of it or already have a preconceived idea, but it feels so restrictive. Yes, I think so too. And most pelvic health experts that I hear from, I don't want to say all of them, but anyone who I've talked with really talk about softening at the abdomen 
And I do know, I do know some yoga students or Pilates uh, practitioners, people who move in various ways who say, you know what, I need to have this engagement of my core in a certain way. And it has to do with sometimes the abdominal abdominal area. Sometimes it's the transversus abdominis Mm -hmm. and they, and they feel like they need to. So I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush Mm -hmm. because I don't think everyone's doing the same thing. But I will tell you that never would I be cueing, pull your navel to your spine. I think it's also super confusing. Your belly button just won't go <laughs> to your spine. Why do you think that's such a common yoga cue? I whenever so I teach also a prenatal yoga teacher training, and I always say like, why are you saying certain cues? Is it because you've heard it from someone else? Why do you think that one? Is yeah, so... I think that we hear it from our teachers in our yoga teacher training or in the classes that we're taking with those teachers. And I think we just regurgitate that information just like we do as parents. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I'm saying what my parents said to me and I think, what is happening? I do think that it becomes like we hear it and we... So there just needs to be that moment of questioning just like you're doing now. Why are we cueing that? Yeah, that's one of them that really irritates me. I'm being so judgmental. <laughs> I apologize for that. But I, I get there because then I have students that they become paradoxical breathers. So they're brought backwards mm-hmm. breathers. And I'm sure um, through your work, you've likely dealt with people that when they, I'm trying to do it myself, when they inhale, they keep their abdomen pulled in. And when they exhale, they push their belly out. And I'm wondering, I'm trying to do it as we speak, (laughs) and I'm wondering if some of that is a result of constantly thinking navel to spine. I don't know. What are your thoughts? And how do you then, when you work with people, I'm throwing more at you, (laughs) how you, how do you encourage someone to the other side of that to lose that habit? Yeah, that's definitely a question of mine as well. Like, how does this pattern get set up in people? Uh, I think if we lose our awareness to our breath, that's that's probably a huge part of it. So if we're not, like, that's why yoga is so beneficial is oftentimes we are bringing awareness to the breath. But however that does start to happen, I think the place that I always... Uh, come back to with someone is that ribcage breath. So even if you tie like a yoga belt or a a thin towel or one of those um, therabands around your ribcage, or even if you just hold on to the side of your ribcage. Do that now. And not trying to take in the biggest breath possible, because I think that's also something that I see not just in yoga practitioners, but also people who swim, like if you tell a swimmer, take a deep breath, get ready because it's going to take a really long time. Um, But if you just take that inhale and focus a little bit more on the exhale and the rib cage coming back towards itself. Mm -hmm. And it was Julie Weeb actually who introduced me to, if that's not working, if the rib cage isn't really closing in, you can get someone to lean forward a little bit from the ankle joint. So they they actually tip forward, and this is especially true for our postnatal people because there's a way that we kind of set up with the rib cage to stay balanced through pregnancy. It's quite fascinating if you ever hear Julie talk about it. Um, and so if we tip forward a little bit in that, we might even get into more movement of the rib cage. I think the other thing to do is to notice if this rib cage isn't finding movement with our breath, how can we introduce thoracic mobility? So that mobility that's up at at the place of our rib cage. Oftentimes in yoga, we really focus on the twist and it lands more so in the lumbar or the low back. And that area of the body doesn't really need more mm-hmm. mobility. It it's the thoracic that gets missed. Like even if you think about cat cow and if you just tried to do cat cow up in the thoracic, it, it's much harder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, since I teach mainly prenatal and we don't twist in the lumbar, I, um, I really appreciate the 
the thoracic twist because it really opens up muscles that tend to get contracted and tight, especially in the pregnant body and postpartum body. For sure. So as we're talking about the whole navel to spine thing, first of all, putting my hands on my rib cage and breathing was very relaxing. It really helped shift into a nice parasympathetic nervous system. So since we're talking about yoga for pelvic health, let's talk about Mula Bandha and Uddiyana Bandha. From your teaching experience and then also your one-on-one experience, how do you teach Mula Bandha and Uddiyana Bandha so it's not just a contract and hold? Here's the interesting thing. Uh, I do think in my own practice and throughout the yoga teacher training that I did, Mm -hmm. that I really gained a lot of awareness in using Mula Bandha and Uddiyanda Bandha. Translating that into a group class was never, never felt effective or helpful. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what everyone was doing. Doing, I don't, I don't cue Mula Bandha because I, I think it's a lot like a Kegel, and I'm actually not sure what people are doing if I do cue it. So I don't cue this in a group class because there's just this large population. You don't know what anyone's dealing with. Also, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would say just in who I work with, I see more people holding a lot of tension in their pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So if you think about your shoulders holding tension <laughs> and if your shoulders were holding a lot of tension, I just relaxed mine as I was <laughs> noticing. Um, this really, it would seem so counterintuitive if I then said to you, okay, now squeeze your shoulder muscles more. You just wouldn't want to do that if you're already holding tension. I agree. And so this yeah, and so this Mula Bandha cue or this Kegel or or engage the core cue, whatever it is that might engage pelvic floor, could be the opposite of what someone needs in a group class. Now, if someone came to me and they said, my pelvic health PT has told me that I need to engage the muscles of my pelvic floor, they've helped me define where that is, what that is, and I'm struggling. I might offer them some cues that I know of, that might help them with their homework, but I'm always going to get them to check back in with that public health PT. Now, Udiyanda Bandha is interesting because I, since studying the hypopressive method with Trista Zinn, she's our trainer here in Canada, I think there's a real place for the Udiyanda Bandha when we're working one-on-one and say if it's someone who's dealing with a pelvic organ prolapse mm. or incontinence. Mm-hmm. To lift the pressure up, kind of draw... The organs out. Yeah, so it actually works as a vacuum. So I was pretty excited when I learned the hypopressive method and then thought, this is Uddiyanda Bandha. Like yogis knew something when they did this this action in the body, whether that was what they were trying to do, I'm not <laughs> sure. But it is interesting in different ways that we can engage and... Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, on that. I worked with um Leslie Howard. So I don't I'm sure you probably know of um, maybe you do, maybe you don't. <laughs> yes, okay. I do. I have Leslie's I have her book. I did my um pelvic floor uh teacher training with her and her mm-hmm. estimate was that and this was yoga practitioners, about forty percent of yoga practitioners are actually hypertonic. So totally in line with what you're saying is that you know, if you're, or most of us already have tightness in the body, and now we're just exacerbated by, in, you know, engaging more and more. So, from her studies and her working with people, the not majority, but almost majority of yoga practitioners need to learn to relax and lengthen and find some release instead of continuously engage. So that was that, mm-hmm. and so I and I really do subscribe to that. From and it's funny in my trajectory of teaching prenatal, starting off a while ago to now, in the beginning, you know, I really did think I'm like, oh, pelvic floor. In fact, I use the word Kegel. Now we talk more about pelvic floor balancing, about figuring out do you need tone or release. And a lot of people, maybe it's New York City, maybe that has something to do with it. We walk, we're a little type A, but the majority of students have realized, you know, through exploration of their own body, they don't need that much more tone. They actually need to learn to release. 
Um, right. And in Uddiyana Banda, I don't really, I mean, I don't do that in prenatal, but I do. No. Because yeah, it'd be a little <laughs> inappropriate, but um, for postnatal, I agree that learning how to connect to the to those deeper abdominals and and learn how to draw up instead of push down. Because some people mistake, from my experience, when they're trying to tone, they're actually pushing down. Yeah. So there can be that real bearing down. One way to even play around with Udiyanda Banda, but not, not really use the breath to do it. So one way just to notice that movement of the pelvic floor, I guess, is what you're doing, is to come up into a supported bridge. Yes. So maybe up on That's a bolster how we do it. or a block. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's taking the gravity so away. Good. It's going anti-gravity. So your weight of the pelvic organs are not, oh, we are so aligned. I love this. <laughs> Could you keep teaching it doing it in Canada? I'll get to New York and we're going to have happy pelvic floors all around. <laughs> It's so true. You wouldn't believe the number of people who I see who um, have been told maybe by someone after they had their babies, you know, Kegel. So for the last 20 years, they've been doing their Kegels and then they're starting to experience urinary incontinence and they'll go see their pelvic health PT and they will tell them you need to really work on that lengthening and releasing that tension of the pelvic floor. So I want you to go see Shannon and do some yoga. So the key here is, is that any yoga, like yin, restorative, you know, anything that's not the, the more so power, like let's get sweaty and warm, but that, that getting into the parasympathetic, anyone can benefit from that yoga and it could benefit then their pelvic health. So can you paint a few big strokes of what type of asana or intention do you focus on for promoting pelvic health. So I know um, you do a lot of one-on-one. How many, I don't know if you do a ton of group classes, but if your focus was pelvic health and thinking the majority of people may need lengthening, do you have any kind of go-to asanas that you tend to bring in? Well, the great thing is, is that we can affect both that pelvic floor that is holding a lot of tension, but also the pelvic floor that's a little bit weaker and needing more tone in a yoga class. So we know that muscles work very effectively when they can, you know, release that tension. Mm -hmm. So if I were to paint a really broad brush stroke, if I had a group class of people, which I rarely teach group anymore, I mostly teach workshops and then mainly one-on-one, then I would focus more so on the restorative and definitely teaching people how to build that strength in various muscles, not just the pelvic floor. Like looking at the pelvic floor doesn't act by itself. Mm -hmm. It acts with this whole core canister, those core four muscles. So, you know, when we lean over to pick up a pen that's dropped on the floor, our diaphragm is really working. It has this anticipatory action and it's, it's trying to make it so that we don't fall over. So things like that, it doesn't have to be I think what we used to define as core work, it doesn't have to be that. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. I feel like I started to get a little off track. That's okay. Um, Are there any, yeah, I'm just going to keep. Oh, right. The movement. Yeah. Just because. So some of my favorite, like the breath is definitely where I start. Like breath and movement. And I don't, I don't want people to be afraid of movement. Basically, if you are thinking of any body, you sort of look for four key things. When they go to do a movement and maybe it requires a little bit more strength, are they able to breathe continuously through it? So especially prenatal, but also any other body, can they breathe continuously or do you see them kind of gripping, holding their breath? Because if they are, it's time to back off and find something else. So let's just take plank, for example. Lots of people will muscle their way into plank and then just be like shaking, but also really holding their breath. So we'd, we'd check, are they breathing and is it continuous? And then secondly, is that, is there any doming at the linea alba? So that's where we really start to look into even that diastasis, but the pressure of holding that pose has to go somewhere. So it might come out towards the linea alba. And I would say definitely postnatally, I'd look for that. Mm. It might also reverse dome and kind of go inward. So those are the first two things to look for. The third is, 
is there that bearing down? So the only time that we would bear down is when we're giving birth. But we don't want to be bearing down other times. We we might be bearing down when we're going to the bathroom, but we shouldn't need to. So is there that bearing down pressure? And it takes a lot of awareness to know. And you talked about it with the breath that you started seeing, like some people are bearing down instead of um, doing something like Udiyanda Banda or maybe Mula Banda. And then the fourth thing is, do you like this pose? Like if you, if you don't love it, there's just so many other ways to strengthen Mm -hmm. the whole body. So I just wouldn't, you know, if you love plank, then figure out a way to have continuous breath, no doming, no bearing down and, and back that pose up or change the, the angle of the pose basically. Yes. I like everything, everything you said. In fact, I want to go deeper into a discussion of the linea alba. So recently, maybe it's like two years ago, a year ago, um, I've been focusing more on diastasis, not about the gap, but more about the integrity of the linea alba. And I feel like there's been a shift in how a lot of PTs are talking about diastasis. Can you go deeper into that? Because I find this topic fascinating. Sure thing. I do too. (laughs) And I feel like it's really close to me because when I was diagnosed with it, uh, nine years after my daughter was born, it was about the gap or it seemed to be in the people that I was learning from. So, and I was learning from my own body. It was really about, can we close this gap? Um, and it was, how many fingers is this gap? So, Really watch for that if you're if you're reading up on it. That information is still all over the place. <laughs> there was a Delphi study done here in Canada. We had 22 experts, and this was led by Dr. Sinead Defour was one of them. I feel like maybe she led it with someone else. I can definitely get you a link to oh, that sure. if you want to learn yes, more. Yes, yes, And it was really where they broke it down and said it's not about the gap it's really about that integrity of the tissue there and how how does it carry load? Is it working effectively? Because sometimes it can be even when there is a gap there. So it, it changed a lot of my views about diastasis for sure. So when you're working with people, how are you cueing them with the... So is it more on the exhale, the TA and the pelvic floor? I think of it as like the corn floor meat. Um, that's how I try to think about like creating that stability. When you're checking them, you're checking the integrity from um, the xiphoid process down to the pubis. And then how do you keep working with them? Just TA, TA pelvic floor? What are you, what's your way of helping assess and move forward? So basically I go back to those four things that I get people to check for. So I will teach someone how to check for diastasis. I say diastasis, but lots of people say diastasis. I know, tomato, tomato. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, and I, I tend to also switch when someone is saying it to me as well. So you might hear me switch, but I go back to those four things, you know, is there continuous breath? Is there doming or that reverse doming also called invagination? Um, is there bearing down pressure? And then is this pe- is this person even wanting to do this pose? So a great example is because I feel like diagnosing diastasis is out of my scope of practice. So I really define what is in my scope of practice. That's my eight limbs of yoga. That's all in it. But I I do think there's a big piece to educating people. Say if there's someone comes in and they're postnatal, I recently had someone come in and they were told by their PT, do some side plank to build some strength. And the moment she did it, I could see that doming right at the linea alba. And she said, I feel like I'm really struggling with this and I feel like I'm bearing down. And she was also right on the verge of a pelvic organ prolapse. So we just took that pose and that's my job then as a yoga teacher. How can we change this for her so that she can breathe continuously, no doming, no bearing down, and she likes it. That's fantastic that you're able to help her that way. Do you ever notice doming on students that don't realize they have any sort of um, diastasis and talk to them about it? Yes. And actually, it's not always just postnatal because we often think of it as a postnatal thing. So it could be men, women, and not always postnatal. And so if I, 
you know, if I saw that, it's not like I would go over and point that out in a group class. <laughs> I would get everyone to check for it. You know, I'd teach them how to feel for it and feel how that tissue is is responding. And and usually it's by a little um, like laying on the back and lifting the head just a tiny bit to try and get those muscles uh, to be able to feel like where are the rectus abdominis muscles and where is the linea alba and, and how is that all working? I want to tell you in this, uh, when I took the hypopressive training with Trista Zinn, we went around and we were supposed to check everyone for diastasis. And I thought, now I'm really confused. Like I checked about 20 people and I thought you really would need hundreds to know what you're doing. Plus it's not in my, like this was part of a training. I would not do that as a yoga teacher. Uh, the, the training was full of PTs, so they were all doing it. And I think that we just have to be very careful with what we tell people about their bodies. Do you often refer out? I, I pretty much, all the yeah, because <laughs> I pretty much, people ask and I'll, I, I like them, I'll feel for the line and I'll say, you know, I want them to then put their hands on their body so that they can feel the difference. You know, if they can feel that Linda Alba has integrity or if there's spots of weaknesses and I'll say, you know, can you feel the difference? And then I also, I also say, and I have some PTs for you to see. Um, so it's not that I'm diagnosing. I feel like I'm just bringing awareness to the yeah. difference. And then I really want them to take it not control their own way, but to feel their own body so that they're not always having to look to someone else to tell them what's going on. And a lot of people exactly. really feel, then they're, they're, they have some autonomy. There is an agency over in their own body. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I will check and then, and that just brings awareness because some people, they just don't know. And, and at least here in the States, most of the care providers don't check at their six week appointment. So right. they're just, you know, they'll come to postnatal and I'll ask how your abs, how your pelvic floor, did anyone check? And the most, I'd say most of the time they just have at their six week appointment, their care provider will insert their fingers into the vagina and say, engage. And if there's any sort of tone, they say, you're great. Um, so we're, and they don't check their abs. So I guess, yes, is it out of my scope in a sense? Maybe, but no one else is giving them this information to even take the next step. They might not even like you had diastasis for nine years and didn't know. So exactly. And there was, I was doing a lot of yoga that wasn't helping it. It was actually making it worse. Like which, so which kind of poses so people can hear this. <laughs> Maybe no, like not, not that they're pointing fingers at you. I'm like, Shannon, bad Shannon. But like, so that they may take a beat and be like, oh, wait a minute. Am I doing this? How's my, how are my apps? So if you can, if you don't mind outing well, yourself. I used to have a real list that I attached with diastasis. So everything from noticing if someone was nine months pregnant in table might be on that list. But the it always comes back to, can you do this with continuous breath? Mm -hmm. You know, are you, do you see any doming or invagination? And um, are you bearing down? Now, a lot of people won't know if that one, that piece, are they bearing down? And then do they like it? But this is the thing that I've grown to. So for me, it was a lot of plank, like doing front plank, side plank, uh, trying to do inversions, basically anything that my body couldn't really couldn't really handle like the intra-abdominal pressure was above and beyond what my core canister could handle but this is different for everyone right. like i have heard people say that when they go into downward dog they feel their prolapse come out a little bit so that lets us know that the intra-abdominal pressure is increasing and the core that floor of the core the pelvic floor isn't holding it but I've also worked with people who say that downward dog is what really makes it feel like it goes back mm -hmm. in and it reduces that pressure. So I can't label right. any poses as now. There are some that definitely are on the list, like when we go to do boat, crunch, plank. But these are all the ones that require a lot of core. So can you also, what I realize I've neglected to ask, because we keep throwing this word doming out, doming. So for those that may not know what that means, so they can look for it in their own body, what would that look like? So it'll look like right at that 
line in the linea alba in line with the belly button, either below it or above it, you might see the skin actually tent up a little bit or a lot. I mean, I've seen people with a, a huge amount kind of bulge out there. So if you think about the rectus abdominis muscles are at the side of the abdomen, the linea alba is at the center, and that's that connective tissue, and it needs to stretch in pregnancy. So if it doesn't then sort of heal itself and um, come back to the integrity that it had before or sort of, that's where you can see that you'll see that doming or that reverse doming. I called it a shark fin when I first Yeah, that's a great, that's a great analogy. Before I realized what it was actually, what most people called it, like in my personal slang, I'm like the shark fin. Um, and some people get it just for in case someone has this. And I don't want you to feel badly about yourself. Some people get this because that's their body. It depends on your collagen. It's so many things. Like I've had students that have twins and they did everything Right, but you know they were carrying larger. I had diastasis after my first. Um, I carried straight out like a torpedo. I have like an inch of space between my bottom rib and the top of my pelvis, and I just carried straight forward, and I ended up having some diastasis. So, in case people are hearing this and be like, "Oh, I have it. What I do wrong?" You probably didn't do anything wrong. So, just <laughs> wanted to put that out there. We shame ourselves enough that we can. We do, and I like the stats are all over the place. Some people say it's a hundred percent, meaning that there is some stretching that happens at that linea alba during pregnancy. And others say it's one in three where there's actual a diagnosis of diastasis. But the interesting thing is that mine played out as low back pain. Mm. So I didn't really notice it that much, but I had a lot of low back pain. And the moment I went to see my PT for it, and then we worked on it. I was like, oh, my low back pain is also gone now. Well, that's interesting because we know the transverse wrap all the way around. And as you're saying, um, the multifidi muscles. So those were those atrophied? I'm not sure. No, just curious. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just putting in my... That's really... I'm, I don't know what... I'm just, I yeah. like, I like talking anatomy, so I hope I'm not putting you on the spot on that not one. Not at all. It's, I'm so, I'm actually quite curious of what my PT would have seen then. You know, she met me shortly. Oh, and this is what I also wanted to come back to when you said you feel for this with your students. I don't think that's out of the scope of practice, especially when you're saying, you know, the person who looks at this is a pelvic health PT. I think we have to recognize two things as yoga teachers. One is that a lot of people, maybe three things, a lot of people don't even know about a public health PT or they can't afford to go or they just don't take the time to go. So the prenatal yoga teachers or all yoga teachers are the ones meeting those people in the class. So it's really important that they understand. And then also, uh, I don't know how to put this... (laughs) I have worked with people who have seen a PT or a PT who specializes in pelvic health and they are not yoga teachers. So they will give them a side plank, let's say to, to strengthen. They don't know how to modify that side plank to the point where it's not, it's not aggravating the diastasis or a pelvic organ prolapse or some. So that's really up to yoga teachers. That's why I'm very passionate about yoga for pelvic health. Yes, absolutely. I do see that too, that people don't know how to modify and it's not their fault. They just haven't learned that yet. Um, exactly. So I want, yeah, I didn't want to, again, go back to the shaming, but I, I look back at, again, my, my path from where I started to now, I look back at some of the things I taught because that's what I was taught. And then I was taught something else or just informed differently. And I, I shake my head. I'm like, Ooh, maybe not the best choice, but you know, a lot of it's just our path of how we continuously layer our education. Oh yeah, I I felt like I had to write a huge apology letter to my students when I started learning about this. Yeah. Because I had been queuing so many different things and I think we just learn together. You know, if you've ever watched an old TV show that shows like historical medicine, <laughs> all the kinds of things that were done to people because doctors were learning and are still learning. Mm-hmm. And doctors work as a collective to say we used to do it this way. And now we do it this way. And I think sometimes yoga teachers need to remember that, that if we think of ourselves as professionals and think we 
as a collective (laughs) used to do those things. And now we're working towards something new and bring everyone along with it instead of saying, oh, well, so-and-so down the street, she doesn't know anything. (laughs) So I wouldn't go to her class. Like I want there to be this collective professional community of yoga teachers. And the opportunity to grow it. One of the things I really, I study Iyengar and I really appreciate about that style is they will say, okay, Guruji was teaching it this way. And then he changed his mind. He's teaching this way. I like that. It makes you sit back Mm -hmm. and be like, Okay, so let's talk about the reason we changed it instead of being so stuck in a certain way. You know, it just, and yes. I feel like my own, you know, as a, also as I'm getting older, my own body is changing and I need to address things differently. And I know my teaching then sometimes shifts, not sometimes, often shifts as I'm learning <laughs> new things and getting to know my body also differently. And then watching my students and hearing what they're saying. So I like the idea that yoga should continue to evolve. We shouldn't, my opinion is we shouldn't always stick to the same thing. We should question and then see how it's working with our students. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you for one tip or piece of advice you'd either like to offer new or expecting parents or yoga teachers, since we've been kind of crossing both lines here. I'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. So what tip or piece of advice would you like to offer? To new parents? New parents, expectant parents, yoga teachers, whatever you like. <laughs> I really... I feel like a broken record and people that know me uh, do joke about it, that I really wish that people were going to see their pelvic health PT like they go see their dentist. So overall, men and women, you know, the moment someone comes and talks to me about like, I have low back pain or I'm leaking urine or I'm, you know, I, I have this mom belly and I just can't get rid of it or what about my posture or my breath? I always go back to, have you seen a public health PT? Like, I just think there's so much connected to it. So, I, yeah, I love that. I put, <laughs> I put pelvic floor, uh, physical therapist on like a pedestal. I'll admit it. Like I just met a new student who's a pelvic floor PT. I was like, I bow down to you. You have so much knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And everything really from, if you think of you know, the neck down or honestly the entire body, because it's all connected. We can learn a lot about our body. So for example, I was, I had this, I felt like my one hip was really holding a lot of tension all the time. So I was trying to do pigeon and, you know, all kinds of different poses, hip opener poses. And when I went to see my pelvic health PT, she internally palpated the muscle. And I felt like then I was like, ah, that's where I'm holding the tension. But I couldn't, it's very hard when you can't recognize that. So that was an internal exam and not all pelvic health PTs do that either. It's really, you build up to that as a comfort level with yourself and you decide if that's what you want as part of your exam. But I think overall we can learn so much about our bodies and I've worked with so many different ages as well in terms of pelvic health, both men and women. And the sad thing to me is when I work with someone who has been told you should not touch yourself in your pelvic area anywhere. Because how crazy is that? We would never say that about our knee or, um, you know, any other part of our body the inside of our mouth, we wouldn't say, like, just never touch inside your mouth. We've, we've put a lot of shame on the pelvic area. And that's what really holds us back from, from getting help when say we're leaking urine or, or we have a pelvic organ prolapse. Yeah. That's something that Leslie often says. She's like, if you hurt your hamstring, you would go get it checked out. You would massage it. You'd figure something out. It's 
it, why can't the pelvic floor, it's a muscle, why can't we integrate it and, and acknowledge it the same as the rest of the body? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's taken away that bit of shame. And I know a lot of yoga teachers who are doing that where they're talking about it and, and really bringing awareness to it. I know. I feel like it's definitely gotten more mainstream and I find that very exciting for everyone's health. Where there's can, one, yeah. sorry, oh, yes, there's sure. one other thing. Yes. I wish I would have known this, that rest postnatally is probably the best thing that you can do for your core. Like it's not baby boot camp or like, let's get <laughs> doing crazy things to our body that are the, where we're doing those things, like where we're bearing down or we're holding our breath or, you know, really beating our body up. It's that restorative resting, you know, if you stayed home in bed and fed baby and had everyone bring you your meals, your core is going to be so happy. I had to learn that the hard way. Um, my first, I don't know what, I mean, I, I admit I'm a little wacky. Um, I'm not the healthiest body image. I've grown so much in that, but my first, I didn't, I did not. I jumped back way too soon, way too soon. And my body suffered. I had pelvic organ prolapse. I had diastasis. I was a hot mess. And luckily I worked with an amazing, first I worked with one PT who told me my chakras were turning the wrong way. And I'm like, that's not what I need to hear right now. So I'm like, I'm peeing myself. This is bad. I, I don't care how my chakras are spinning. So I found another who really worked with me and taught me so much. And even though it took a while, I took that as a gift because it then inspired me to shift how I was teaching and to look deeper into that world of pelvic health. But with my second, wow, did I approach things differently? My whole pregnancy and postpartum, dramatically different. And I honored the rest, partly because I had another child that was exhausting me. Um, right. <laughs> But I really, and so I, I 100% wholeheartedly support and, and I just want to bolster up what you said about postpartum rest and healing. I think our culture does not really support that. It's kind of like get up and go, get back to what you were before, which is not, you're not who you were before. Mm -hmm, exactly. And there are some cultures that actually build in that rest time and provide everything for that postpartum mom. And I, I think it's a beautiful thing if you can build it for yourself or find friends and family to help you do that and help others who are in that postpartum time. I'm about to go and fly and hang out with a friend who's having her baby. I'm going to go for a couple of weeks when her husband goes back to work. And I just think that's my way of giving back. Like that was a hard time for me with each one of my kids for a different reason. Mostly, mostly exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is such a great gift you're giving. Where can people find your work? Um, probably anything pelvic health related. You'd want to go to pelvichealthprofessionals.com and look under our resources, every article that I can get my hands on, every podcast that I've done or or like had a guest for or I've been on, I try and put it in that resource page. Uh, and our membership opens, I'm not sure when this podcast goes out, but we have a membership that opens for professionals. So yoga teachers, massage therapists, PTs, anyone can join at the end of this year, it'll open again. That is wonderful. And can we talk about your wonderful Facebook group that you have for yoga teachers? For sure. So if you're a yoga teacher, go to the connectedyogateacher.com. We have a Facebook group that you can join. There's over 7,000 global yoga teachers. It's a super supportive group. Uh, and also there are hundreds of podcasts now. Uh, we, we put out a weekly podcast for yoga teachers to really support them. Yeah, I love, I'm actually, I listen to the podcast a lot and I am very much, I'm more of a watcher than a sayer on the <laughs> Facebook group, but I enjoy the conversations and it's extremely supportive, which is different than some others I've seen where they can get a little catty. I would say the Connected Yoga Teacher group, really people are there to have your back and to offer advice and support and insight is a great group. Yeah, that's sort of the group rule. Can you say something? And is it going to be helpful? You know, ask a great question or say something supportive or helpful. But those are those are kind of the main, that's the main focus. We don't want anyone to feel like 
we're not professionals. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's a professional community of yoga teachers. It is. Well, thank you so much for all you do and your time and all your insight and wisdom. I really appreciate it. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.